Good to see you today. We're so glad you're here this morning. And God is good. Amen. He is good before an election. He is good during an election. And he is good after an election. God is good. He's good in the middle of your troubles. He's good in the middle of your victories. He's good in between in the in-between time today. He is good and we can worship him today regardless of what's going on in your life and in my life because he is a good God. Amen. Amen. So welcome home, Columbus. Welcome home to those that are home. We're glad you're here as well today. We've been in a series called Kingdom Eyes, and we've been talking about over the course of this series that Kingdom Eyes is the lifelong pursuit. The key word is pursue because we never, we're obviously not God, but we're chasing after becoming more and more like God. So Kingdom Eyes is the lifelong pursuit of seeing as Jesus sees. Let's be honest, sometimes it's It's easy as we follow God for us to see as Jesus sees. And then other times it's difficult to discern how Jesus would want us to see. We've been talking about over the course of this series that we don't drift towards seeing like Jesus. We don't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden we look at things like Jesus does. We seek him and we strive to to allow God to have more and more of our hearts. And that's how we see as Jesus sees. Been covering a lot of topics over this series. We talked about last week that regardless of who wins the election, that God is sovereign. Amen. He is in control and he knows uh, he knows the number of hairs on our head. And so we've been talking about things like politics last week, looking at kingdom eyes. But over the course of this series, we've covered a lot of topics. We've covered fear. We've covered relationships. And today we're going to be talking about the unseen battle. Say that with me in Columbus also. The unseen battle. The reality is that Jesus wants us to see as he sees, not just the seen battles, but sometimes the unseen battles. Sometimes this morning, God is working even though we can't see him. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today in this series. And kingdom eyes, here's our principle, kingdom eyes helps us become more spiritually wise to the unseen battle. To become more spiritually wise to the unseen battle. In other words, we don't always know that God is doing something even when he's doing something. Now, I could say doing instead of doing, but I'm just in a doing mood instead of a doing mood. I don't know why this morning. But we don't always know that God is doing something when he is doing something. Makes me think of several years ago, I guess several years ago, about, what, three or four years ago, um, my wife decided that we were supposed to go to Silver Dollar City and look at the Christmas lights. She, She wanted to go, the kids wanted to go, I didn't really want to go, be honest with you, okay? So we went. So anyway, uh, we, were, we were going, we were heading there, and we got in a car accident on the way there. Some guy's flying down the road. We don't know if he was drunk or if he was just texting or maybe both, but he missed the guy that's in front of him, seeing that it was time to turn, went around him, sped into our lane. My wife was driving. She doesn't normally drive, but for whatever reason, she, she was driving. We we're trying to remember last night, talking about that story, exactly why. But that's irregardless. We look... And I look, I'm like, wit. And she looks up and this truck just comes flying through. He's got a big tractor trailer, flatbed deal on the back. Hits, takes out the front of our car on the passenger side. I remember like a couple times in my life where time will actually like slow down. That was one of those moments where I remember thinking like, this, this isn't good. <laughs> this could be bad. 
And I remember just like all these things flashing through your mind. You know, Luke was quite a bit younger at that time. He's seven now. You know, he's probably three or four years old. Anyway, that we have the wreck. I look over. My wife's okay. The kids are okay. We get out of the car. And I just, I'm still in shock. I haven't even got to the point yet where I'm starting to think about, man, this was a close call. And this woman who's just sitting there on her porch comes running over to us, asks us if we're okay. And of course we say, yeah, we're okay. And she goes, well, I don't know if you believe in spiritual things. And I didn't tell her I was a pastor. I said, yeah, we do. And she goes, well, I'm just telling you, she goes, there was this light in front of the car. And I'm like, yeah, I, I saw that too. It was like where, like almost like sparks where the cars hit together. And she goes, no, 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 no. I saw an angel who was in front of your car that as the, that truck was hitting your car. I'm just like, dude. She goes, I'm telling you right now, you might have thought it was just a light or just the, you know, the impact or you were seeing stars you know, from getting hit. But I'm telling you right now, you saw the scene, but I'm telling you, I saw the unseen. I believe her. This morning, there are things that happen in our lives that we see through human eyes, and there are things that God will, as we walk with him and as we continue to, to seek him, you know, we don't drift towards becoming more spiritually wise. Like I said, we don't wake up that way, but as we seek him and as we desire him and as we read his word and we desire to be more and more like him, there are times where God will give us discernment and allow us to see things through unseen eyes, through kingdom eyes that we wouldn't normally see. And then there's other times where we're seeking him and we're doing everything that we're supposed to do like Job was. And God doesn't always let us in on what he's up to. And it's in those moments that we trust him. But this morning's message is God wants to, for us to be more spiritually wise to see as he sees. To see politics the way that he sees them, not through elephant or donkey eyes. To see when someone says something bad has happened, to, to see it from God's perspective rather than through fear perspective. Or in the case of the story that we're going to look at in just a second, to see through kingdom eyes rather than human eyes. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6, and we also, um, if you're new this morning and you go out to the version notes on the Bible, click on the events section. If in Columbus, it'll be connecting point, but here it'll be Pitnaz. Go in there and our scriptures are on there. You'll have to click save at the end or you'll lose the notes, but you click save and you can have those. But here's what happens in this story. Elijah is a man of God and there's this, and he's with Israel. And there's the Syrian king who doesn't like Israel and wants to wipe him out. And so he begins to plot in the seen world, not the unseen world. He begins to plot for Israel's destruction. He's kind of a schemer and a plotter, and he's pretty wise from a worldly perspective. Not necessarily, obviously, we're going to find out from a godly perspective, but from a worldly perspective, he's pretty wise. And so he thinks that the, you know, the element of surprise is a good way to go, and on paper it seems to be. So he begins to plot that they can intercept the Israelite army at a specific point. The problem is, is that there's this prophet named Elisha. Now, sometimes we get Elijah and Elisha mixed up. This is Elisha. Shah, we say that, Shah, right, Elisha, and the problem is for the, for the Assyrian army and the Assyrian king, God keeps cluing Elisha in to what's going to happen. 
Kind of like on that baseball movie where the catcher keeps tipping off the batter when the, when the ball's coming. So when in, what ends up happening is he goes, hey, man, God told me that the, that the Syrian army is going to be down here at this point. I wouldn't go there, bro. So they don't. And the, the, the bad guys are sitting there waiting and waiting. It's making the king look like a fool. And they don't ever show. And this happens over and over and over. So the Syrian king, he gets mad. He's like, what is going on? So he brings his leaders together and he's like, all right, listen. I don't know if he went Bobby Knight on them and threw chairs or if he just, you know, yelled or screamed. I don't know what, you know, if you were going to compare him to a coach. I don't know who it was. But the reality is he just starts yelling, who is the traitor? No one knows. This has been top secret. How in the world, time after time, are they continuing to find out what we're doing? Tell me who it is. Is it one of you guys? Is it someone in your team? Wrap them out. Of course, they're all like, dude, it is not me. I didn't do it. No, they didn't do that. They go, we don't know who it is. From a scene battle perspective, they're frustrated. One of them finally steps up and said, you know who I think it is? There's this prophet named Elijah that's for Israel. And he's rumored to even know your thoughts in your bedroom. You know, think about the conversations that you have in the privacy of your home that no one knows about. Elijah knows those because God keeps tipping him off. Well, you know what? He can continue to know all that God has for him, but he can't tell the Israelite army if we got him, so go get him. And I tell you what, I'm going to send a full army with you to go get him. He can, him and God can have this little thing between the two of them, but he can't tell anybody if we've got him, so go get him. And I tell you what else, let's be stealth about it. I don't know how to be stealth, but you know, let's be stealth about it. Let's do it in the middle of the night. So they go in the middle of the night, they, they find out where, where Elisha is, and they surround his town and surround his house. But God is God, amen? Now, Elisha's servant, he doesn't have on kingdom eyes. He just kind of got his eyes on. And so they show up about dawn and Elijah's servant goes out of the house to maybe get water or do his thing. And he looks out and he sees this whole Assyrian, Armenian army there in front of him that's surrounded. And what he sees, right, he doesn't see, he can't see the forest. He just sees trees. He sees troops, chariots, and horses. Troops, chariots, and horses everywhere. And he's like, uh... I don't know if he peed his pants. I have no idea, but I know he was scared. And he goes back inside. And you know how like when you, some of us like to, you know, be dramatic or we like to like tell news because we want someone to be excited. I always thought it'd be kind of cool to deliver flowers because every time you deliver flowers to somebody, they're in a good mood unless, you know, something happened and the guy's trying to make up for it, you know, but most of the time they're in a good mood. And we like giving that news. And then other times we like to make things real dramatic because we want to get a shock out of someone. I don't know if he was just trying to shock him or if he just explained it to him, but he runs in, can you imagine, out of breath. And he says to him, listen, man, we're in trouble. And he explains the situation. And Elisha doesn't even break a sweat. 
He's like, chill, man. Like, what are you talking about? He says, don't be afraid. Those that are with us are more than it was them. Than it was with them. And he's thinking to himself, okay, I like your enthusiasm. I like your positivity. You know, sometimes you're in a negative situation and, and, and maybe the person that, that's being positive doesn't know the outcome either. They're just being positive and that's important. But in this story, Elisha really does know the outcome. The problem is, is that even though, you know, Elisha is telling him there are more than those, there are more with us than are with them, the servant can't see it. So when he looks at Elijah and he, and, and he explains, look, there's more of them than they are. There's more of us than there are of them. And the servant's like, I'm not seeing it. You know, sometimes as believers, when we feel like God's given us the answer or, or we know God's word's given us the answer, we can almost be smug and we can hold it over people and say, oh, you don't know the answer here. Well, let me inform you, or, you know, or whatever. Elisha doesn't do that. He begins to pray, God, would you open his eyes to see what you've shown me? And the servant's eyes are opened and he looks and he still sees the Assyrian army. He still sees the chariots and the horses and the troops. But he also sees God's army who vastly outweigh the Assyrian army. And it, he, doesn't go, he doesn't move from fear to faith because faith is not knowing something. He's seen it. He moves from fear to being informed. And, God, and, and Elisha prays, God, would you give them blindness? And so the Assyrian ar army now is blind and Elisha says, right this way. Brings them right into Samaria, right where all the Israelite troops are. This story's got a point this morning. And the king of Israel, he's like, hey, we've got him right here. Can we kill him? Can we kill him? I mean, he knows well enough not to, not to kill him without asking the prophet of God. He goes, they're right here. All these people, God's handed them to us. Can we kill him? He's like, no, we're not going to kill him. We're going to feed him and send him home. One, God needs to get the glory for this. And two, it'll send a message. So that's what they do. And for some time, this Assyrian army leaves Israel alone. I got to thinking about that story because there's a lot of things that happen in this story. Like when Elijah says, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And he looks and he sees his hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around, around Elijah. I got to thinking about that today because in our lives, sometimes we do the math and we look at a situation and we automatically, instead of being filled with, with trust in God or maybe even knowledge because God's enlightened us the way he did um, Elisha, we look at the situation and we are just immediately full of fear. But we know who wins in the end, Amen. So there's some things that we need to know this morning that, that you need to know today, okay? Here's the first thing we need to know about the unseen battles in our world. Here's the thing. Spiritual battles exist. Unseen battles exist. 
When we're walking around every day, it's not just the seen, there's also the unseen. It's not just the seen, it's also the unseen. You need to know if you're a teenager and you get on your phone and you're thinking about looking at something that, that you, don't, you know you shouldn't look at, there's a seen battle going on, meaning that you see the phone and you're thinking about this, but there's the unseen battle going on where the enemy's wanting to destroy you. That's just one example. There's, you could do that with marriage, with finances, with anything. And Paul reminds Ephesus, the people, the, the followers of God in Ephesus, he says, for our struggle is not against what, church? Our struggle is not against people. It's not against Donald Trump. It's not against Joe Biden. It's not against politicians. It's not against your neighbor who's got a different political sign in his yard or her yard than you have in yours. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Well, then what's it against? It's against the rulers. It's against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Well, you're scaring me today. Well, just like we, as parents, we can't just say, well, every stranger's nice. We have to inform our kids that some people we come in contact with don't have our best interest at heart. And you need to know today as a church person that there are the seen things and there are the unseen things. And sometimes we're on the wrong battlefield fighting with the wrong weapon targeted at the wrong people. <laughs> My wife went to Taiwan. She flew home. We were, she was excited to see us. We were excited to see her. I thought I was at the right exit. We were at the wrong exit. She comes out, you know, there's supposed to be some song play, some reuniting song, right? Reunited and it feels so good, right? Some song like that. Millennials have no idea what I'm talking about. I can't think of some song that, you know, whatever. <laughs> she comes out. Reunited and it feels so good. Ooh. Sorry, I had to do that for those of you younger. And they come out of the tunnel, you know, I wasn't there because we were at the wrong exit. Instead of hearing that, she hears wah, wah, because she looks over and there's none of us there. Everybody's getting connected to their family and she's like, they aren't here. We went to the wrong exit. She wasn't mad about that at all. She really wasn't mad. She was just like, man. Sometimes we get frustrated, church, because we think that our battle is politics. I'm talking to kingdom people, not, not elephants and donkeys today. Sometimes we think our battle is against our ex or our spouse or our adult kids or our boss or our employee, and we have just cause as to why we think it's them. And the reason that we do that is because we're looking at it through our set of eyes. But as this whole series is about, as we draw near to God, He draws near to us. As we read His Word, as we come together, whether it's online or here in person or in Columbus, and we, and we seek Him, when we, we, we get up and we don't just pray some prayer, Lord, thanks for the oatmeal or whatever, but we just like, God, what do you have for me today? We draw close to Him and He begins to, to allow us to see what we might not normally see. And we start to ask different questions, like instead of what's wrong with Him, Lord, what's wrong with me? 
Or God begins to give us reasons why maybe we need to be a little bit more patient or tolerant or, or gives us insight in some way. But we also have to know today that while those things are going on, just like if we, when we tell our kids, hey, every stranger you meet's not good for you, you also don't want your kid walking around scared, right? We don't have to fear spiritual battles, but we need to be prepared and equipped for spiritual battles, amen? You need to know today, as a believer, we don't have to be afraid. Now, you all know that, and we know that, but sometimes we don't live like we know that. Church, we don't have to be afraid. I don't have a problem saying it until I get an amen. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be. Elijah's servant is looking out and he's seeing, he's doing the math. He's looking out and he's seeing. I want you to, for a minute, just close your eyes for just a second and humor me, okay? I know some of you don't like to be bossed around, but if you just kind of, for a minute, would you humor me for a second? I want you to picture your eyes being closed and you're in your house and you look out your window and all you see from the left to the right, from the north to the south, from the east to the west is horses, troops, chariots, fire, and they're all pointed at you, and you do not have on your spiritual eyes. You can open them now if you want. And Elijah looks at you and says, it's all good. God's on our side. There's more of us because we have him. See, we're doing the math from a human eye perspective and thinking that, 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 that it's just about the chariots, you know, God's chariots and all that. And that's true. But even more than that, it's because God was on our side. We don't have to be afraid of spiritual battles, but we also have to be prepared and equipped. You don't walk out of the house without clothes on. Or at least you, if you do, you're probably going to go to a crazy house, right? You, you, you come out with your clothes on. You're prepared. If you give a presentation or you take a test at school, if you study for it and you prepare for it, there's a really good chance you're going to do a lot better than if you just show up and you haven't studied for it, unless you're just really smart. Some of you are. Elisha had his spiritual armor on. He slept in it. His servant doesn't say that his servant was a bad dude, but he didn't. And we are going to face trials and troubles and elections and cancer and COVID and relationship struggles and all these different things in our life. And if we're putting God first and we're doing what we're supposed to do and we're doing as Paul writes about putting on the full armor of God, then we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. And when he looked out and he saw all that, Elijah's like, God is with us. Now, we know that Jesus is, is greater than the devil. We know that, that Jesus was, overcame the grave, but Jesus also prepared for battle. Jesus knew that he was going to be tempted before he started his ministry, and he went into the, devil, into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights, and the reason for that was preparing for spiritual battle. And he had prayed, and he had fasted, and when he came up against the enemy, he was ready. 
And let me tell you today, there are some things that you guys have, you face in your life and I face in my life that we're not going to get the answers just through prayer. Some of those things happen through fasting. Jesus prays and he's fast and he fasts and he's equipped and he's prepared. He prays and he's fast and he's equipped and he and he's prepared. And sometimes we're faced in fasting battles and we're just shooting prayer at it. If you want the answer, if you want the peace, if you want direction, Sometimes God calls us to fast and to pray for that peace. Sometimes when you can't see the victory, it doesn't mean that one isn't on the way. Amen? Say that with me. When you can't see the victory, that doesn't mean it's not on the way. Elijah's servant, he looks out. He can't see the victory. He's not looking through kingdom eyes. Some of you in your life, all you hear is, I want a divorce. All you hear is political here and there. All you hear is all these things that that are facing you, financial issues, relationship issues, school stuff, COVID, all these things that we continue to mention each week because that's where we live right now. And we do, we do what we always do when we don't have our human, we don't have our spiritual eyes on. We take an assessment. And rather than listen to God, let's see what Instagram has to say. Because everything on the internet is true. Obviously not. Let's see what Facebook has to say. Let's see what my friend has to say. You know, sometimes even good people don't speak for God sometimes. But when we connect ourselves to God, we begin to see maybe there's more at work here than we can even fathom. Sometimes you can't see what God is doing, but he's doing it. And you need to know today that in the midst of everything that's going on in our world, God is still God. He is sovereign. He is still working. He is still meeting needs. He's still going to build his church. He's still using you to reach the people around you. And we can still worship him regardless of what's going on in our culture because he is God. I want to live in that unseen world where God gives me the peace. You know, it's not, just, it's not just people who don't know Jesus that get filled with fear. Even believers, we get filled with fear because all we, we focus on is what we can see. Church, we know who wins in the end. We know that God is working He works all things together for his good. Paul, I don't think he's being sarcastic. I think he's being serious when he says, if God is for us, which means if if we're not living for him, then, then we can't align with this. But if we're living for him, if God is for us, let's finish it together, who can be against us? Now, I'm just being honest today, okay? I'm a Chiefs fan, all right? Who's going to beat them? 
Yeah. Okay, we got some false prophecies, prophets going on in here. Thought I might strike a chord there. Still true, though. He, anyway. As we joke about things like that, how much greater it is when we think of the God of the universe. Who can beat him? No one. Moses has been asked to take two million people that are complaining, plus women and children, out into the desert. He finally gets them released from Pharaoh. They're supposed to be going to where God's got them to go. And they come up against the sea. They know that, that the enemy's attacking them. And Moses has two choices. He can get bitter because it looks like the door is closed. They're up against the ocean. Or it can be obedient. You led me to a dead end. I did what you said, and you led me to a dead end. Moses, stretch out your staff. You've led me... What? Why? Whatever. The Bible says the ground was dry. Not just the water. The ground was dry. And then how much power does it take to hold the water back for that long? I used to live here at the church and there's a pond behind the water. And when my dog got in the water and I went in, it has like four feet of muck and mud in the pond. It's not stuff you would walk on. And it definitely would take probably six months to dry that out. God did it like that. God can do anything. And we walk around like he can't. If God is for us, not the president, or not who's going to be the president, or who was the president, if God is for us, who can be against us? I know that. No, really, we need to believe that. If God is for us, if you're at home this morning, if God is for you, then who can be against you? How do we do that? We have to put on our spiritual armor. We're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks in messages. So I'm not going to get into that today. Into that today. But get your Bible and go to Ephesians 6 this week at home and study it and read it over and over. Put on the armor of God. It's not about the belt and the breastplate. It's about the, the attributes about truth and righteousness and peace and salvation that come through walking with Jesus. We all know those people that we admire their faith and we're like, man, I wish I was spiritual like them. You can be spiritual like them. There's no magic thing. It's just seeking the Lord day after day. Put that spiritual armor on. And then, one of, I'm not going to say who, but one of my kids never keeps their shoes on when it's two degrees outside. Put your shoes on. Okay, they'll put them on. They go out the door, take them off. What good do shoes do? You can buy really nice ones that lace up and are insulated and keep your feet nice and warm. But if you don't wear them, what good does it do? God's given us this great armor through walking with him that, that, that's called truth and honesty and righteousness and salvation and peace. If you read Ephesians 6, you'll know what I'm talking about. And we don't put it on. 
And then we say, where's God? Where's he at? Elijah's servant, Elijah's like, hey, put your armor on. God, put his armor back on. God, open his eyes. Oh, well, now that's a game changer. There is one, dude. I can't even count. There's so many. And I want to say this. When Elisha initially and Elisha's servant later saw God's army, they also saw the enemy's army. Did you catch that? They also saw the enemy's army. Well, you know, my, my, my spouse filed for a divorce or, or, or the, the, the accountant said we're out of money. It's not that we don't hear those things that can be painful. It's not that we, we don't hear those things that are tough. They, they saw the, enemy arm, the enemy's army, but you know what else they saw? They saw God's army. And in the middle of whatever you're going through, if you're walking with the Lord, may you not just see the physical seen stuff, but may you experience and live in the fact that God is with you, and if God is for us, then who can be against us? When it comes to the unseen battles, are we seeing through our eyes of fear? Or kingdom eyes? I think there's healthy fear. If somebody breaks into your house, fear motivates you to get out of the house. We are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, which means we are to be respectful of who God is and that we are the created and not the creator, and we are to follow him. God uses fear in some ways, but we're not to live in fear. We don't have to fear We can just trust. I want to ask you a question this morning as we wrap this up. When it comes to the unseen battles, are you seeing through your eyes? I want you to think of a battle for just a minute that you're facing right now. Maybe it's just being positive. Maybe Satan is just, you've given Satan so much real estate in your mind. You know, it's like when you're looking for property, you get like a lot, or you can get an acre, or you can buy like, you know, on Duck Dynasty when they've got like thousands of acres, or you're a farmer, you got thousands of acres. How much real estate have you given the enemy in your mind? Does he have a lot? Does he have an acre? Does he have five acres? Did you know that we don't have to give, God, give Satan any real estate in our mind? Anxiousness comes from Satan having real estate in our mind. But the implication is do not be anxious, which means we have a tendency to be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, Scripture even says fasting at times, present our requests to God and the peace of God that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, and then we will be able to test and know what His will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will is. Kingdomize, help us become more spiritually wise to the unseen battles. If you think about in your mind right now how much 
real estate you've been given the enemy? What if someone this morning, maybe they're home, maybe they're here, maybe they're in Columbus today, would say, God, I want you to take back all that real estate. Remind me today that you win. Let's stand together this morning. So there's this song that we sing every once in a while, and it starts out, this is how I fight my battles. It's kind of repetitive. But what it's talking about, this is how I fight my battles. Okay, what does that mean? It's talking about worship. Elisha fought the battle through worship. Now check this out, okay? Check this out. Stay with me. The enemy's army was going to fight with swords and weapons and strategy. Elisha fought his battle through worship. He worshiped God. And you know what God did? God gave him revelation. And you know what that revelation did? It saved Israel over and over and over. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They have divine power to demolish strongholds that set themselves up against God's kingdom. This is how I fight my battles. What does that mean? This is how I fight my battles, through worship. God, as believers, doesn't need you to fight his battle. It's his battle. You don't need to get on social media and be nasty towards someone to fight his battle. God is big enough to fight his battle. This is how we fight the battles. Not just on Sunday morning where we're standing here, you know, and we're worshiping, right? We're just standing here and we're worshiping and then we go, okay, that's it. No, it's every day. Worship is what we do with our finances. Worship, worship is, is getting in his word. Worship is when things just stink in life, trusting him. That is how we fight our battles.